0: And people don't want to be challenged to live right, because we like being comfortable. And I'm telling you right now, if you can't handle what the written word says, you're not ready to hear a spoken word from God. I was in here praying and preparing last night to finish up this message for today. And I was praying in the Holy Ghost, walking up and down here. And when I got done praying last night, I had, I, I don't know, I felt the weirdest I've ever felt. And the Lord began to deal with my heart. And He began to talk to me that, you know, this month we want to hear the voice of God. We want God to speak to us, right? But the Lord was almost giving me a word of rebuke and a word of correction Because if we don't make some corrections in our life, we're not going to position ourselves to hear His voice. And all I'm saying to you today is I'm not angry, okay? My life is pretty good. I am not upset with anyone, and it's not my intention to unload some frustration on anyone today. There's none of that in me. But what we do want to do is make sure that we bring the correct adjustments to our lives so that we don't miss what God wants to do. Right, and so if it comes across a little loud and strong today, uh, you're gonna be all right. <laughs> if Calvin can get tased, and he get maced and slammed on the ground, then you can handle what's getting ready to be delivered. Can you say Amen? So in the month of January, we declared that this was going to be a year of God's promises being fulfilled in our lives. Right, and what was the scripture that the Lord gave us? Second Chronicles 6.15, and this is what it says, Solomon talking to God, You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. You made that promise with your own mouth and with your own hands. You have fulfilled it today. And the word that the Lord gave me was, You've obeyed and done as I've asked you to do. You've been obedient to the leading of my spirit. So now you will enter into the year of suddenly. And suddenly you will see the things that I have promised with my mouth, birth and break forth in your life. I will surely keep my word, says the Lord. And so we laid the foundation for this in the month of January. And we began to talk about all of God's promises being yes and amen, right? And we're all excited about getting every spiritual blessing available to us in Christ Jesus. We're all excited about the blessing of God. But God cannot bless disobedience. He cannot bless complacency. He's only going to bless you if you're obedient to do what He tells you to do. And so as much as we just want to talk about the blessing and then go into the month of February, let's praise God, all these exciting things. The word of God has to make some adjustments and corrections on the inside of us so that we are on point where God wants us to be, doing the things we're supposed to be doing so that we can reap the full benefit of this word. The month of February was a month of praise. And God poured out the oil of joy on us. You could see our praise has gone to another level this morning. And it has nothing to do with the music. It has nothing to do with the songs. It has to do with your hearts responding to God. There is an atmosphere of praise. It's called the garment of praise. God has wrapped us with a garment of praise, and it's not going to stop. We didn't just do praise for the month of February, and now that series is over, and now we don't praise no more. No, our praise went to another level, and we're going to stay on that level, and our praise is going to go to another level. Can you say amen? As we go through this year, we're going to continue to praise God, and we're not going Going back. Say, my praise is a weapon. And God gave us the strategy to come into His presence. This whole journey, everything that we do here is about you having a relationship with the Lord. That's what everything is about. Bringing you back into the Garden of Eden where you walk with God every single day. You have peace with your wife. You have peace with your children. You actually have joy in your household. You actually have a family unit that like each other. They're not arguing and fighting and taking things and blaming one another. They're actually happy. Can you say amen? Woman, you control the atmosphere of your house. Just say it. Watch your mouth, girl. We've got to watch your attitude. Because the minute that you go off track, the whole house goes into disorder. Can you say amen? Amen. Men, don't be lazy. Your wife is not your mother there to cook your food and clean your clothes and raise another child. She needs a man in the house. I work hard. I'm tired. We all work hard. And teamwork makes the dream work. As a couple, if you will tackle everything together, you will, ha- you will do it together. Man, you'll celebrate together. You'll feel fulfilled together. You lay down your life to serve one another every single day. That's what a marriage relationship is about. It's not about being served. It's about serving. And when you love and pour out on your wife and you pour out on your husband and you pour love on your kids, your household will be in order. Can you say amen? There'll be unity in your home. And instead of whining and complaining and fighting, you can dream together. You're not going to hear the voice of God if there's disorder in your house. You're not. Because you're busy fighting with your spouse and with your kids all the time. You've got this other sound and war going on in your head. You're not in a place to hear heaven. The Bible says all arguments stem from pride, which is self-centeredness. Every argument stems from selfish feelings. And we have to step out of this place. Can you say amen? The way that you break through is through your praise. Praise is a powerful weapon. We thank God for what He has done, but we praise Him for who He is. And so it doesn't matter what circumstance you go through, you will continually praise the Lord because who He is does not change. He's holy. He's a way maker. He's a promise keeper. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. He is faithful generation to generation. While we were in worship today and we were singing that song, Every Victory, it's like the Lord dropped it into my heart. God's word guarantees victory in your life. I'll say it again, God's Word guarantees victory in your life. There's never a time that you're going to step out on God's Word and you'll fail. Every time you obey the Word of God, you will have a victory. Whether it's giving, whether it's in anything, if you will step out to obey what the Bible tells you to do, you will have victory. It's a guarantee. You know, when fear, doubt, and unbelief try to overcome your hope and your faith, that's when you need a praise. What, what, what is this about? This is about you setting a goal. This is available to me. I don't currently have it in my life, but God said it belongs to me. So I'm walking towards a promise. But your circumstances don't look like you're ever going to achieve that thing. And it's in that moment you have to believe what the Word of God says, and you have to overcome doubt, fear, unbelief. Because you've never seen God do this in your life before. And you start questioning can God do it? Will God do it for me? Those are part of the struggles that you have as you're on your journey to claiming and inheriting that promise of God. And while you're on the journey, you have to keep your spirit right, you have to keep your attitude right, because if your attitude goes down the toilet, you're gonna to give up on the promise. And that's why you need praise, because you know God is faithful you know that God is going to make a way where there seems to be no way. That God watches over His Word to perform it. The thing that God told me and the thing that God showed me belongs to me. It's already in my future. I just got to keep walking and I'll arrive at my destination. So you can't give up. You can't quit. You can't turn back. You got to keep pressing forward. And when the resistance and the lies tell you it's not going to happen, that's when you stand up and say, my God is a healer. He's going to heal me. I'm going to walk into my breakthrough. And I pull down every lie that tells me I'm not going to have that. This is the fight of faith. But if you don't have the written word of God that you're standing on, you have no authority and you have no power. And a lot of people are trying to claim the promises of God without actually having the promise that they're meditating on. They're not standing on it. They're not reminding themselves of it. They're not meditating on it night and day. You got to get a card. Put it on your mirror. Write it in lipstick in the bathroom. Put something in your car. Have a ding on your phone. Whatever you need to do. But put yourself in remembrance of the Word of God. Do what God told Joshua. Meditate on it day and night. Keep it before your eyes. Do not let it depart from your lips. Observe to do all that is written therein. And then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. God's word guarantees victory. And so we're going to press through every obstacle. We're going to overcome everything in the name of Jesus. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. My voice is harsh, 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 whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> I've been screaming and shouting, talking way too much. Feels good, though. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All Scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Say, all Scripture scripture. is God-breathed. Say, all Scripture is God-breathed. To teach, rebuke, and correct. People want to come to church and just feel the fluffies. The Bible says the Word of God is to teach you, rebuke you, and correct you, and train you. Can you say amen? So there has to be some adjustments. The Word of God has to challenge us. And people don't want to be challenged to live right. Because we like being comfortable. And I'm telling you right now, if you can't handle what the written Word says, you're not ready to hear a spoken word from God. And if you're not going to obey what it says in the written word, then you don't position yourself to hear a spoken word. And a lot of people want to hear the voice of God. But what are you doing with the word you already have? What are you doing the word that I'm preaching to you? Is this the only day that you get the word when I preach it to you on Sunday? Or are you doing it Monday through Saturday? Is this part of your daily diet, or you're just feeding on the garbage of what social media and the television and the news and what your friends and the world has to say? Because what you open your spirit up to is going to determine what comes out of you. Because what you meditate on is going to get in the heart, and out of the abundance of the heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. And with your mouth, you're going to establish your future. It gets worse. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. I sol- Second Timothy 4, 1 through 5. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage people with good teaching. Say Good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And they will reject the truth and chase off the myths. And so you can go to some places where the pastors live in sin. Where people in the church live in sin nobody's telling you what the Word of God says. Nobody's making you correct your lifestyle so that you live holy and righteous before God. They're not going to tell you it because they don't want to change. And so we want to go to these places where we can be comfortable in doing whatever our selfish desires want to do. And we don't want to be told anything different. And if, if the preacher preaches a message of correction then I get offended and I'm ready to leave. I didn't come to church today to hear from this whippersnapper from Africa to tell me how I need to live my life. Bless God, I live how I want to live. No, God is warning you. If you don't change your lifestyle, just like a suddenly is going to happen when you break through into the promise, a suddenly will happen when the devil comes to take the wages for sin is death. There's a price to pay. And if you don't warn them, then they're going to step right into it. And then they're going to say, well, why didn't you tell me, pastor? And they come to the altar weeping and crying with their lives smashed and broken. Because they weren't willing to listen to the word. The word is going to do one of, one of two things. You're either going to be offended by the word. You're going to trip over it and be offended. And you're going to get up. And you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to be fine. I'm making the correction. Or you're going to have the word... Fall on you like a rock and crush you. And you don't want to get the crushing. Rather do the tripping, get up, clean off and say, you know what? I'm not going to fall over this, this offense right here. I'm going to get my heart adjusted. I'm going to get my heart corrected. And I'm going to do what's required by God. I'm bringing my junk into the light and I'm trusting that the power of the Holy Ghost is going to deliver me from the stuff that's held me bound for my whole generation, my parents, my children will not walk in the same things. I am breaking free and my kids will be free. We're not having a generational curse of sin. We're going to walk under the blessing of the living God and God is going to use His Word to break me free and my family line free forever. Power of the Word of God like a fire. It's like a hammer. It's going to break you free. Because that nature is not part of you. It is not your nature. It's from another place that came from a garden where there was disobedience. And we're not going to be sons of disobedience. We're going to be children that obey God. Can you say amen? And so God, whatever I need to change, I'm ready to change it. Because I know what that life produces. I know what those habits produce. And I'm telling you, family, we can't tell our children, come to church and get your life right. But we as parents in the household aren't willing to change our ways because our children will look at us and call us hypocrites. Don't tell me what to do when you're not living right. The Bible says fathers don't exasperate your children. And that's how you do it. You bring your kids to the point of wrath where you beat them for things that you tell them to do, but you won't make the changes in your life. And you know what else happens? Parents bring their kids here, and their kids begin to get life change, and then it starts making them feel uncomfortable. Oh, now, my par- now as parents, we feel uncomfortable because our kids are coming home, and they're telling us that we're living wrong. They're living a different life, so now we don't want our kids to go back to that place. But wait till they become teenagers or they have some behavioral issues and then they can't control their kids anymore. They come running to us really quickly. Help my kids. No, help yourself. You are the parent. You are responsible. Stop putting it on somebody else to fix your kids. Fix yourself. You should have seen me last night. I had to go home. I thought I was going to lose my marbles last night in here. Because I was so stirred up by this message. And I'm like, God, I can't deliver this to the people. They're going to think I had something bad for breakfast. But if the Lord said, if it doesn't come through with fire, it's not going to break anything. Can you say amen? And this is burning in me, man. I'm not shouting at you, but I'm coming against that thing that is holding you back, that is keeping you out of the presence, that's keeping you out of the blessing. Yeah. And God's jealousy is burning on the inside of me for you. And he wants to destroy that enemy that's had you bound. Yeah. Proverbs three eleven through 12. My child, huh, don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. So that means if there's no correction coming, that means God doesn't love you. You tell your kids you love them, but you won't correct them. There's no love in that. Because you're allowing them to live disobedient lives. There's no structure. There's no principles that they're living by. You're not bringing the correction that needs to be corrected. You are setting your kids up for failure. And it's exactly the same with the Word of God. If we're not going to correct you and bring you in line with the Holy Scriptures and you're not going to make the adjustments, your life will not be blessed because God does not bless disobedience. You say, Pastor, what are you doing? I am setting you up to break through from complacency, to get some things broken off your life so you can step into the presence and hear the Word of God that comes from His mouth. It's what I'm setting you up for where you can have face-to-face conversations with the Lord, where God can come and write on the tablets of your heart. He can, he can show you things that are in your future, and He's going to brand them on you. He's going to take the book in heaven that has your name on it, with His plans and purposes and the things that He's prepared for your life. He's going to open that book. He's going to show you some things that belong to you. He's going to show you what's available in the promised land, and He's going to brand you with those things. What are you going to get? You're going to get a Genesis chapter 1. That's what you're going to get. How many of you got some stuff in your life that's empty, dark, and void? Go to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. But the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. I want you to know that the Holy Ghost is hovering over you. And He sees the darkness in you. He sees the void in you. He sees all the things that are out of order on the inside of you. And God wants to bring His light, revelation, understanding on the inside of you. And bring order back into your world so that you can live in blessing. Take your pointer finger. It's a good finger. Let's go around the world. Say, this is the world that I live in. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And if you don't fix this, everything, the lens that you look through, everything will be warped. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. It says, temptations come from our own desires. Look at the person next to you and say, The devil's not the one tempting you. Temptation comes from your own desires. Look at somebody and tell him, the devil's not the one. He, he doesn't does he even know who you are. We'll get to that in a second. People think the devil's chasing them. I don't think the devil even knows who you are. Temptation comes from your own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So just as there is a process of achieving the promises of God and seeing them suddenly break into your life, there is a process where you walk the opposite direction. And you allow sin to grow and you let it fester in your mind. And then you end up Stepping into that thing, and it brings destruction. I had a friend of mine, so talented, so so skilled, so much potential. I did everything in my power to help this guy, encourage him. I was always there. And I sat down with him one day, and I told him. I sat across the table from him. We're having lunch, and I looked at him, and I said, you have to change the way you're living. It was like the fear of God came on me for him. And I knew that if he didn't change his lifestyle, he was going to step into the destruction that he was building and preparing for. And he looked at me and he said, you know, he, he got burnt in church. So he didn't care. I get a phone call from him two weeks later, 630 in the morning. He left Miami. He wrecked his vehicle. He's on the side of the road shaking, calling me, crying, saying, I should have listened. I should have listened. So we we'll come. Let's meet again. So a couple of weeks later, we sat down with him and my spiritual mom, Elseby, and We sat at the table with him, and we gave him counsel. and We gave him instruction again. And if you know Elseby, my spiritual mom, super prophetic. She's going to look at you, and she's going to pick stuff up. She's going to call you out on it. And she called him out on some stuff. He got up from the table angry. He said, I'm not willing to change. And he walked to the door. And I begged him, don't leave. Repent and turn. It wasn't four weeks. He was incarcerated for five years. And I'm standing before you today as your pastor. And I am warning you. You need to stop playing with sin. There are things that are enticing you and pulling you into things that you know you need to stop. And we've been pretty general about it. But this is the year of suddenlies. And as suddenly you will break into the things of God for the people who are going that way, there's going to be a suddenly destruction for those that are going the opposite way. And this is your warning today. And God is not going to be able to help you. He's not. I'm telling you right now. You're going to have to eat the bitter fruit of living that way. And it's going to be a season that you're going to have to go through stuff before you're going to get back to the place where your life is somewhat okay. You do not want to waste five years and eight years and ten years of your life because you're making stupid decisions that are pleasing your flesh. And the Lord said to me, tell the people, if you're in this place and you're thinking about messing with another man's woman, or another woman's man. You better get those things out of your head. Because it will not be pretty for you. I love you. But I feel the fear of God. And as a church body, I'm not going to play games. We have to get these things straight. There is power to overcome stuff. But you got to make a decision that I'm running wholeheartedly after God. That I'm going to break free from these things that have been holding me back. And there's power at the cross and at the altar to deliver you and save you and set you free. Can I get an amen? I just feel like crying, man. Because God loves you. And He doesn't want you trapped in that stuff anymore. He wants you to be free from that. Finally free. Because you know the torment you're living in. You don't know what people carry on the inside of them. You don't know what people have been through and the pain that they carry and the war in their mind and the stuff that they feel. You don't know the abuse people go through. And people can't help you. Only God can help you. And you've got to run to Him. Because He has got the power to save you. Can you say amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Jesus speaking. You know, if we're going to hear the voice of God, we have to have a relationship with God. And that relationship has been provided for us. Before we read that, let me read you Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. For He laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths, Who may climb the mountain of the Lord, who can stand in His holy place? This is what we're going for. We want to stand in the presence of God in the the holiest place where God's presence is. It says, Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies, they will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God their Savior. And such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. You can come to the church and during worship you can be totally disconnected like this is a show and you're a spectator. What do you think some of us are crying and praising and jumping? It's because we know what God has done for us. It's because we know how to enter into the presence of God. And while you're sta- I'm standing there, the Lord says to me, My word guarantees victory. That's a word straight from heaven. Right there, the Lord spoke to me. So hearing God is not hard. All you have to do is get in His presence. The battle isn't hearing the voice. The battle is getting into the presence. And once you're in the presence, then God speaks. But it's how do I get in there? How do I push through all the noise and the problems and the struggles and the war in my mind and all the things that I'm facing? And we're going to teach you how to overcome that stuff. So that you can be in His presence. You can get strategies from heaven. There's nothing like hearing Him call your name. But does the Lord know you? Do you really know Him? Matthew seven twenty-one through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Do you know that you can use the authority and the power in the name of Jesus to do mighty things? Because the name of God is the name above all names. You can use the name of Jesus to heal people. You can use the name of Jesus and prophesy. You can actually amaze people by what you can do with his name. But God will say to you, I don't know you. You use my name illegally because we don't have a relationship. Go to Acts chapter 19, verses 13 through 16. Does Jesus know who you are? Do you know who Jesus is? Do you really have a relationship with him? Acts 19, 13 through 16. This story is comical. Should make a movie. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons had merely touched his skin, were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled. A group of Jews were traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried, everybody say tried, to use the name of Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. I command you in the name of Jesus who Nick preaches. They didn't know Jesus. They just saw somebody doing something and they decided to copy them. I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, come out. Seven sons of Sceva and a leading priest were doing this. But one time when they tried it, an evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but who are you? And then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Eight men left a house running and screaming without their clothing and beaten by one demon-possessed guy. Does the devil know who you are? Does Jesus know who you are? Or are you just faking this thing? Look at someone and you, you don't have to fake it anymore. When you give your life to Jesus, when you give your heart to Jesus... The Bible says in the book of Genesis, when Adam Adam ate of the fruit that God commanded him not to eat, his eyes were opened and suddenly he felt fear, he was naked, he was ashamed, and he hid from God. It also says that man was put out of the garden, out of God's presence. They were separated from their identity, their relationships were broken because now man and woman are fighting each other. They were put out of the garden and the resources that God had for them, they were disconnected from it. And they had to live by the sweat of their brow. And suddenly, childbirth pains became a reality for women. And suddenly, woman wants to rule man, but now man wants to rule woman. There was no rulership together. Their first two children got into a little fight. The one brother killed the other brother. When sin is in your life, it brings destruction. And when you get to the altar, what happens is your eyes reopen and now you're open to the kingdom of heaven. And you're able to now walk in the blessing and the promises that God has for you. You're able to come into God's presence and meet with God and have God transform you from the inside out. Religion wants to change you by putting rules on you. God wants to change you through a relationship. Because if you'll just get a glimpse of Him, you'll never be the same. And family, the fight is for you to get into the presence. And you got to disconnect from every distraction. Can I get an amen? Amen. And Jesus said this. Go to John chapter 10, verse 27. In the Amplified Classic, it says, The sheep that are my own, hear and listen. Everybody say, hear and listen. To my voice. I know them and they follow me. The New Living Translation says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. God is looking for you to make a commitment to follow Jesus. Jeremiah 29. I don't know if I have it written down, I'll just look it up in my Bible. Jeremiah 29. We know verse 11 really well. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans that are for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. 12, in those days when you pray, I will listen. Verse 13, if, say if, you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. The minute you find God, you'll be set free from the things that have held you captive, and God's going to start pouring out His blessing onto your life. Family, that's the place that we have to come to. That's the place that we are pressing for. That is the place that we're heading for. This is the direction we're going to encounter God. And you got to make a decision that's where I'm going. And I'm going to strip off everything that is holding me back. Because the Bible says that if you belong to Jesus, you will obey His commandments. So if, if, if you really belong to Him, then you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're not playing church. This is a top priority for you. Seeking God is the most important thing in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously, and all these things shall be added unto you. We want the adding, but we're not willing to do the seeking and the living. And family, today, if there's anything that I want to say to you, I'm saying we may need to make some adjustments. And we got to, we got to break free from the things that are stealing our time with God. And we got to live according to the Word. we got to turn our back on sin. And we have to wholeheartedly begin to seek the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. And you got to make a decision on the inside of you. I am not quitting until I come into that place. And if you don't set that as a target, you'll never hit it. You'll just come to church. You'll just go through the motions. But this thing has to become like fire on the inside of you. It has to be a passion. It has to be a desire. It has to be a want. It's available, but it's up to you. I'm just so glad to be a part of your family. No matter what you're going through, I got you and you got me.